0: What January would be complete without a topic addressing the extra weight we all seem to have? But this isn't exercise. It's not a diet. It definitely isn't an expensive medication. Welcome to the Just Dumb Enough podcast, a show that acknowledges no one is always an expert by dispelling misconceptions with real experts. I'm your host as always, Colton Petrie. My guest today is Dr. Chet Stringham. Chet has been in practice for almost three decades now, and he came across a discovery that both makes sense and challenges general practices. That obesity is largely caused by stress. Don't lose hope, I know stress can seem impossible to get rid of, but it is possible to reverse that. And none of us are in this alone. 70% of Americans are overweight. Not obese, but overweight. And that's a really high number because it means that only one in four is maybe healthy and the data he shares can
1: be pretty extreme in some cases like this but you know what's interesting is when you look at the curve at the um number of of public shootings of mass shootings in the united states it follows the exact same signature you'd have no way to know that you're not looking at obesity because those two graphs look identical isn't that interesting Let's lose stress and weight. Welcome to the show, Dr. Chet Stringham. Thank you, Colton. It's, it's very nice to be here and I'm looking forward to uh, sharing some, some great information with you and your audience. I think we're going to have a really fun time this evening.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be fantastic. I'm very excited to have you on the show.
1: Why don't you introduce yourself a little bit for those that don't know you? Well, I'm Chet Stringham, and I'm a general internist in a small town in northern Nevada. And um, I've been in practice for about 28 years, and I've had approximately 250,000 visits with patients over the years. It's an extraordinary number. And I've learned a tremendous amount about about obesity and various other things uh, during my career. I've just, I've specialized in a number of different areas of interest within my practice. And I think it's just been absolutely fantastic to see um, patients lose weight as a result of things that are relatively unconventional, especially with what we're doing these days with GLP-1 agonists.
0: And that's, you know, it's become a very hot topic. It's always something one way or the other where it's like, here's the new fad diet or here's... The new exercise that'll shred weight, or you know, all these number of things, and now of course introducing medications into the mix. Was there anything that really like got you invested in learning more
1: about this? You know, yes, I, I think that um, obesity is just the ultimate mystery. On the on the surface level, it's incredibly easy to conceive of what's happening and what the actual problem is, but then when we do the things that actually make sense to help us lose weight they just don't work and, and they consistently don't seem to work for anybody. And so there are ways that we can address the problem that are not really the same as the ones that we typically tend to use, but they're highly effective. And uh, and that's, that's what I think.
0: Yeah. I think a lot of people really stress about it because they're like, I'm mm-hmm. eating the things they told me to eat. I'm working out the way they told me work workout and I'm still not seeing weight loss or I'm seeing weight loss Very temporarily, and then it's picking right back up. So, if it's not diet and it's not
1: exercise, what is it that you've kind of brought forward? You know, our culture is changing in some really interesting ways. And uh, even over the last 20 years, some of these changes have accelerated. But essentially, it's my theory that about the year 1980, our culture started to change in some very momentous ways. And uh, those ways, have gone on to change the way we act. They change the way we eat. And they're changing a lot of other ways about the way that, um, that we interact with other people and various other things. And those are some of the um, root causes of obesity rather than the diet and the exercise things that most of us are used to, uh, to thinking about. Yeah. So it's much more environmental or societal. You know it's it's actually both i think that um it's in our culture especially it's considered a really good thing to take responsibility for our shortcomings to own up to what our problems are and uh, and to just take charge to say yes this is something that i messed up and i'm willing to uh to to make some changes and to to really go after this problem but the reality is that um that's part of the problem the other part of the problem is the way that everybody's interacting with each other and has been over the last forty years or so really is the source of the problem, rather than um, the diet and exercise stuff.
0: So, when you say the way we're interacting with each other, in that we have a much broader form of interaction and that we can talk to people all the time, and we're we're receiving a lot of news, or in like a, a societal shift to be like much crueler or much more judgmental. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, you know, consider this. I mean, if you drive down the freeway, um, you'll probably notice that people are behaving differently these days. If you walk into a grocery store and pick up some items, you probably notice that a lot of the people who you interact with are not behaving the way they would have maybe 5, 10, 15 years ago. And it's not just COVID. It's a lot of other things that are happening, too. But, um, and there are various theories that I have in terms of why this is happening, but it's really the interactions that we're having with other people and the ways that those interactions are leaving us feeling. Okay. Could you tell me more about that? Absolutely. You know, I think that, um, the first is, for example, that, um, we've become incredibly enamored of efficiency. In our culture, really, when you look at, um, at at where our priorities are right now, it is in making every single process more efficient than it ever has been in the past. Every item, every person, every job, every task, everything has to be done with greater efficiency than ever has been the case in the past. And um, that started sometime around 1980. It was largely a response to international competition here in the United States and having to streamline in order to remain competitive. But um, that was really the leading edge of a lot of the things that we're seeing. We started to become prioritizing of efficiency. And we started to, by definition, to kind of get away from some of the um, things that are kind of nice. So, for example, being kind to other people, really Contemplating other people's needs and what their interests are. And in a highly efficient culture, a lot of that stuff tends to go by the wayside.
0: And I see that because, you know, we're talking about all the metrics people are measured on today where they're like, Mm -hmm. you're 4% below your goal. And that could suddenly introduce a lot of stress to people. You know, and you don't think about that as just being like a byproduct of us being efficient. We're just like, oh, that's work. All work Mm -hmm. must be stressful because
1: my work is stressful. Mm hmm. It's very much the case. And, and I think that um, really when you look at um, at the ways that our interactions with other people have changed over the years, you know, for example, somebody um, may ordinarily be fairly kind, but you put them into a situation where their resources are shortchanged. They don't have enough time. They probably don't have enough money. They probably don't have a lot of other things that they feel that they work for and, and that are rightfully theirs. And, um, and it really changes the way that we, that we behave. We become much more concerned about ourselves um, as a matter of self-preservation. And I think that goes on not only to cause obesity, but it also causes a lot of other issues. It, it causes violence in our culture. It causes those people with the worst of the coping skills to just kind of decompensate and not be able to handle ourselves with other people very well. And it's just, it's cold and it's a mess. It really is. Yeah, it certainly is. And, you know, you're talking about
0: broad societal problems and health issues. I mean, it really like between the obesity and the stress, this is a a major killer
1: in our, our society. You know, it really is. And I think that um, to me, um, I have always, especially in my medical practice, I've always concentrated on the things that each of us can do for ourselves to make our own world better and the world around the, those people who we know, who we enjoy in, in our lives. And I think that it would be great to write a book that would help everybody out. But my book is really just about helping the reader. And uh, it's a way to navigate through a particularly complicated culture and where priorities are not um, not really what they should be. They're not very healthy. It's funny that we talk about sustainability all the time. Um, sustainability, you literally cannot have a conversation in our culture uh, for more than 15 minutes without the term sustainability coming up. But our own human environment is one of the most unsustainable things imaginable. At the very same time, we're making um, our natural environment more sustainable and talking about sustainability of wood and building materials and various other uh, things. Everything has to be sustainable. But ironically, our own environment, the environment in which human beings live is very unsustainable at this point.
0: Yeah. It almost sounds like uh, you know being on an airline and they're like, put your mask on before others. And we're like, well, let's take care of things out here, and then we'll take care of ourselves. We'll get back to this. We'll circle back.
1: Mm-hmm. I love it. That's uh, that. That is a wonderful every single time. Even before uh, that, uh, that concept would sometimes come up uh, in conversations. That the the ironies in, in, involved in uh, putting on your own oxygen mask first. I, I remember even twenty years ago, sitting on a commercial airliner, and uh, and just thinking, wow, that's that's almost poetic now, isn't it?
0: <laughs> it certainly is. So in talking about your your book now how do we go about you know fixing these problems because it sounds like in order to address our own you know obesity and stress problems mm-hmm. we've got to address some pretty large
1: issues we really do and, and on the one hand they're they're complicated issues and they're very deep issues but on the other hand once we identify these things we can stop trying to address things that merely make sense and uh, things that, that theoretically should work, except that they don't. So it's, it's a way to you know, it's, it's, it's a way to take the, the pylons out from around the parked telephone truck, um, and, um, and instead of having pylons around a parked truck to only put them around things that are truly hazardous, and uh, to focus attention where it should be rather than on every single thing in our environment. It's, it's about focused, you know, attention paid to certain things that really will yield results. Certainly, so if you
0: were to give everyone a mission, you know, if they looked in your book or if you talked to them on the street, what is your, your primary mission where you're like, go do this thing today, now?
1: There absolutely is. I think the first is that a lot of us have work-related stress, family-related stress, unreasonable expectations, things of that sort. Just to be able to look at, at how reasonable expectations are. Is it reasonable as, as a physician that I work for 80 hours a week I don't think so. And, and when I do that, I tend to gain weight. And that's ironic. Um, given what I do for a living, that even I will gain weight working 80 hours a week. It's a high level of deprivation. And, um, it's, it's very, very firmly associated with obesity. So I find, for example, with myself, if I just do less, um, concentrate on things that are truly important, and areas where my life is nourished, and the lives of those people I care about are nourished. Also, I don't eat the way I, I do when um, when I'm working eighty hours a week.
0: Certainly, it's an interesting thought to think. You know, when you had said like, "Oh, it's our jobs or these very stressful things and the, the amount of pressure we put ourselves," I thought, could we do this in an isolated experiment where we're like, okay, none of you have to work. And we've funded all your necessities. Would you see people lose weight just as a byproduct of now having free time for their own enjoyment?
1: I think you'd see people lose weight if people were one thing—if they were content. If um, not even so much that they had this intense sense of happiness, but that they just—they're content in their lives. Their lives don't push them to eat uh, excess food, and their lives don't cause a situation where our time is so spoken for that we don't we don't exercise. If I have 20 minutes to myself every day, I'm sure not going to spend that time exercising. But it's more than that because it's not just a matter of time. There's a very common misconception that we're too busy to exercise, but that's that's not really what it is we only have the ability to care about so many things we only have the ability to engage in so many things and when we get super saturated by things that um that we really don't care about but we just have to do them this this uh incredible intense sense of urgency with absolutely everything and most people just shrug their shoulders and say to be honest i really don't care and I've heard people, you know, reference this in a couple
0: way. ways. I've heard some really silly ones where it's like marbles or spoons or, you know, whatever it might be. But this is really kind of a, a budget problem where you're like, look, my mental capacity has $20 to spend today. And every time you ask me to do something, I have to spend a dollar. <laughs> and when I get to the end of the day, like exercising also costs a dollar and I'm
1: out of money. <laughs> and i think that um a lot of us just um we're so super saturated by things that just really don't matter and um and i think that's a that's a big part of it um if i'm forced to care about things that i really don't care about in my own life they're not important to me and it just keeps happening because of one of the other issues that I talk about is how vigorously we're regulated in our culture it has a really negative net effect on us and and it, it causes us to do things we ordinarily wouldn't do yeah i mean there's certainly a lot of
0: overstructuring i think you know mm-hmm. we've we've come into like there is a down to the second kind of grind mindset where people are like, your break starts exactly at this moment. It ends exactly at this moment. And if you're not working up to the start of that and right at the end of that, like you're you're out of efficiency. Right. Like you're going to be punished for having a moment of of space
1: to breathe. That that's that's absolutely correct. I mean in my own personal life, I, I love flying airplanes and, um, and, and aerobatic flying is my, my very favorite form. So I had considered a number of years ago becoming an aerobatic flight instructor to teach people to do loops and rolls and things like that. And what a, what a blast that is. I, I, I love to, what to show people how to do that now. But, um, it, it, it means interacting with yet a whole new set of regulations. And I just decided consciously, I don't want to do that. I, I really don't want to be responsible for yet more controlled behavior and um, and and performing to yet more regulations. I just decided against that. So, how do we, you know, for the
0: the average person out there that is stuck, you know, maybe in an entry level job or in a very stable position where things are so heavily regulated, how do they take some of that
1: control back to you know try and unwind this the situation? You know, it's it's all a matter of limited exposure to be able to look at this like my decision to not uh, be a flight instructor um, or uh, other people may decide that they really don't want to be involved with certain organizations because there's a tremendous amount of regulation that's 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 inherent in that or um, doing things that just um are probably not worth it in terms of the numbers of regulations you have to put up with and what it brings to your own life. I think a lot of us can make a conscious decision to just limit our exposure to those types of things. So part of it is taking an inventory of what types of I mean, with respect to regulation, there are other um, hallmarks. Of of the of weight gain and various other things, but to just be able to take a uh, an inventory of where your regulations are uh, are, are occurring. So, uh, are you a general contractor? Um, probably have to put up with a fair number of regulations just to do that. Um, it may not be a great idea to get involved doing other things that would involve yet more regulations. So, and or to make the connection between the regulations that we. Um, the vigorous external regulations that we put up with, and to just say, I'm making a conscious decision to not do those things based on the fact that I I just, I don't want to tolerate that. I've associated with those regulations with increased weight, and I it's not worth it to me.
0: So kind of cutting out some of the, the nonsense, as it were. Mm-hmm. It is. I
1: mean, and making sure that the things that you do are things that truly bring you pleasure in a in a quantity that's commensurate to what you're having to do in order to do that, how much time you're having to spend um, and, and how many other uh, things you're having to tolerate in order to uh, just put up with this. Yeah, it's critical.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, it's like having a very regulated career, but then outside of that practicing music, because you're like music is entirely mm-hmm. whatever you're making of it. So there is very little regulation other than, you know, the amount of pressure you're putting on yourselves to
1: practice or play. It's very true. I mean, and you might enjoy something like jazz or um or rock or something that is not as structured. Um, probably if you got involved in a different type of a music that was more structured, you you may actually feel that. I think most of us have this um this finite capacity. A, a limited capacity to deal with things that um, that just aren't very pleasant, and as our culture uh, pushes more and more and more things our way, um, it, it just it it just pushes buttons and and takes us above a theoretical limit that we have to be able to deal with these things, and it just it causes us to gain weight. It really does. Well, and it seems
0: like you know, despite the things that you might enjoy, these regulations are getting worse like the amount of them mm-hmm. is just steadily increasing and that's you know yeah. especially scary if you feel like you have no no control over that matter you're like oh the things around me are just going up that's exactly
1: right. The other thing is, it's not just a matter of being um, too aggressively regulated in our culture in every conceivable way. It's also just um, where people influence each other much more than they ever have in the past. Um, if I get on Facebook and say, oh, here's what I did this last weekend, and, um, and a number of my friends may absolutely crucify what I did. And um and so that influences me. It has a massive effect on what I do and how I feel. So even my friends are involved in regulating me these days. Um, and I think that's the case for a lot of us. It's not just laws, regulations and, and overt. Um, regulations, but also,, um, you know, uh, the fact that every single part of our culture is now graded. Um, we're we're ranked in terms of how well we do business, um, how good a doctor, a doctor a person is, how good a general contractor, how good a pilot or whatever. everybody gets graded. and um, it it puts a yet additional stresses on people that we never had, even 10 years ago, we didn't do things like this. Well, yeah, not only the
0: things that you are doing, but the things you're not doing, where mm-hmm. people will now like, "Oh, are you not doing that?" And you're like, "I didn't know I had to be doing that." That's now an
1: additional stressor too. It is. It's. It's just. It's all too much. The other kind of hallmark um, of a lot of this is the level of forcefulness. Our politics at a national level really no longer involve. Recommendations, suggestions, things like you know, for example, um, the recommended daily allowance of certain foods. It's not really regulatory; they're just suggestions. But that's not what our um, regulations are all about these days. Ninety percent of 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 the laws that we pass at this point have to do with either outright banning of something or of mandates. And that those are absolutely the same thing in two opposite directions. Either you cannot do this under any circumstances, or you must do this no matter what you think. And so a lot of that is just we're, we're being forced into things that we really don't want to do that aren't healthy for us. And the, those are some of the things also that are affecting the ways that we behave. They're pushing things. It's interesting. Um, even Even when you look at things, I mean, school shootings and and horrible things that that uh, that sometimes happen um would seem to have nothing to do with obesity they're two different things that are happening in the same culture but you know what's interesting is when you look at the curve at the um number of of public shootings of mass shootings in the United States it follows the exact same signature you would have no way to know that you're not looking at obesity because those two graphs look identical isn't that interesting
0: that is fascinating actually and You know, it kind of makes me think like, as horrifying as these things are, you know, we don't want to be told we have to do something and we don't want to be told we can't do something. Mm -hmm. And we don't want to see, you know, horrors and atrocities on every corner. How do we push back? Like, how do we kind of manage that situation
1: on our own? I think it's up to each of us to decide for ourselves. What our theoretical limits are, and um, and to respect those limits, to just say, you know, I, I theoretically could do certain things, but I, I choose not to because it would push me over an edge, and further deplete my um, my spirit, and would cause me to not treat other people as well. I'd always be stressed out, and um, and I would likely start gaining weight and to make those connections, and to just say, I'm choosing not to do certain things precisely because I will gain weight if I do those things.
0: Yeah. So in looking at those limits, are some people just handling it better than others? Is there like an internal threshold that just says, you know, X person has 30 points worth of resource in their body and their mind and someone else has 50? Like, are, are we just naturally offset from each other?
1: We are to a certain extent, but I think also most of us have differing thresholds. So I mean, you could visit with a person now and then visit with them a month from now. And their ability to tolerate certain things would likely be different depending on external uh, phenomena, things that they're going through in their own lives. And I think that when people are generally content and when we have to do certain things that aren't very pleasant, but it's a kind of an exception to the rule, it's not the rule, it's different. But when a person every single day is doing something they don't really enjoy or they're doing something in a way they don't enjoy it um, or they're interacting with people who are overly forceful and uh, regulatory of their behaviors, it's just, it's downhill from there. It really is. Certainly,
0: I was trying to think of You know, a lot of people, I think, look at younger, thinner people and they say, like, oh, well, that's your metabolism and it'll catch up with you. Mm -hmm. I'm just wondering, like, maybe they just haven't hit a threshold yet. Maybe that's why we don't see so many, you know, people who are older, who have more responsibility, you
1: know, coping as well. No, it's interesting because food is not everybody's thing. Um, for those of us who really do enjoy food, that food um, intake tends to increase when, um, when we have a lot of uh, various stresses going on. And it's not about stress eating, because that's been well described in our culture. There's a tremendous number of, of uh, books uh, written about stress eating. But you know what's interesting is we live in a culture where 70%, 70%, 70% of Americans are overweight. And um, that's not an individual problem. This this is almost if stress eating is when a person has certain triggers that they um that they they go through those triggers and they eat more, that's stress eating. But we're talking about an entire culture. If stress eating is um is one person walking down a sidewalk, then really what's happening with us is everybody in the United States is going up the same up-escalator, continually to gain weight. And now we're using medicines that help us. I mean, we're literally requiring medicines in order to survive in our culture without gaining weight. Isn't that
0: crazy? Yeah, it certainly is. And that's one of those things I wanted to talk to you about is what you think of this new, you know, medicated route to manage obesity. Because Ozempic, and I'm sure to some extent others like it, have been
1: kind of touted as like, this is the fix, this is what we're going to do. You know, it's it's interesting because a, a solution really is different for everybody. A solution is different when you are Eli Lilly uh, from what it is if you are a person who wants to lose weight. And and I think for Eli Lilly, what a dream come true! I, I mean, basically, what's happened is they've created medicines and uh, Nordisk as well. I mean, there are a number of medicine, a number of companies that are doing this. They have a wonderful product. They're great for uh, diabetes. They do a great job of controlling blood sugars. They're really helping to save lives. But when you use this with expressed an intent to lose weight, um, it's just a lost opportunity precisely because people are not taking care of the things that they should be taking care of. So we theoretically will all just be angry, frustrated, not understand why, and but no longer gaining weight because we're on medicines. It just doesn't, it, it doesn't, it, it's, it's a lost opportunity to handle this in a way that's healthier and it's um, it's just to me, it's just craziness to to require a medicine in order to to survive in this culture. It's weird. Well, and to look
0: at that, you know, from this perspective, as we're having this conversation, saying like, "Oh, well, you can take Ozempic or what, whichever else, and you can mm-hmm. lose weight, and there's your solution," and people will say like, "Ah, I'll finally be happy because I'll be thinner." It's like, except that there is a very high cost to this treatment. So now you're going to be stressing about money. Mm -hmm. There is the pressure to, you know, look better, feel better, be happier, whatever, when you're thinner, as well as just like the stress of putting your body through something that it's otherwise doesn't necessarily need. Like you've added three things because you lost one.
1: That's really what it is. I mean, to me, um, it's it's no different from saying I've decided not to put this basement fire in my house out uh, because I have a fan and I'm directing the smoke away from my face and I think we're good. So to me, it's um it's a lost opportunity. And and it's just it's 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 absolutely the wrong way to handle the problem. I mean, there are absolutely there are a lot of different reasons why people gain weight, but to be taking care of people who are super stressed out and have found that they eat less food when they take these types of medications, the GLP-1 agonists such as Ozembic, Wagovi and some of the others, it's just um it's kind of, it's just insanity. It, it really is. I would imagine in 20 or 30 years, when we look back on this, this will be a really, it'll be a head scratching era in our history to just kind of think, you know, it was crazy. They, they were really doing this. They were taking medicines so that they wouldn't gain weight rather than dealing with the problems. It's crazy and we see those things you know today if you look backwards in
0: time you're like wow why did we do that like that very clearly was not a good idea it might have worked but with what kind of consequences and now we're in those moments and you're like what is the foresight of this situation i feel <laughs> like
1: we're about to go downhill very fast it's just, there, there are so many wonderful solutions. And I think that, um, on the one hand, if somebody wants to take weight loss medications, if that's the, the direction that they want to head, it, it's my belief that, um, as a physician, I just advise people of of, uh, of options, I really don't make those decisions for the people, I, I, I rather am just an educator and kind of a teammate on, on a decision-making team along with a patient. So I think if a person wants to use medications, if that's really what they want to do, then um, I, I, I support them in that decision, but, but I think that there's so many wonderful ways to be able to address this problem in ways that we don't tend to look at it, that uh, when we do, it just becomes a, a completely um, redefined problem that is way easier for us to fix.
0: And with a, a topic as popular as this one, you know, weight loss is on everybody's mind, especially at the start of the year, you know, anytime within probably January to March, like everybody's talking about how they're going to lose weight. Why is it that we're not hearing this discussion you and I are having? Like is this topic just because it's new and you've kind of founded the foundation of it, for lack of a better term? Or is it that there is so much money to be
1: made on the other side? I think that um, there's a tremendous amount of money to be made in this. And then there's also the prestige of being able to handle to address this problem. I mean, the drug manufacturers have given patients a great option um, with which to be able to lose weight. And um, I I applaud them for that. I think the technology is fantastic. But I just think that there are better ways to address the problem at a more proximate level. And uh, and it's fun for me to be able to show people that you can make certain changes in your life and then you can almost ride a wave. You, you don't have to create the way, the energy in the wave in order to surf. You just have to be able to position yourself so you can literally ride your own life to weight loss um, by doing things that cause us to gain weight rather than comedy. I mean, the whole issue is that it just seems like we would be able to influence our own behaviors, but you really can't. It's very difficult for people to just decide, I'm gonna breathe more slowly right now. I'm gonna try to to really slow my respiratory rate down, uh, for example. And when I do that, the second I start thinking about something else, my respiratory rate will just go right back to where it was before. And that's exactly what happens with weight loss in a life that creates more stress than we're able to handle. And we just try to push through thinking that we should be able to handle this, and we can't. You're caught in a
0: vicious cycle, and until you get out of the whirlpool, like you're just going to keep being sucked down no
1: matter how far out of it you swim. It's really what it is. And and, and I think that we're so um, engrossed in what we theoretically should be able to do that nobody seems to pay attention to the fact that, hey, wait a minute, no one seems to be able to do this.
0: Yeah, I think it's because, you know, again, it's that outside influence. If you look online, you will inevitably see people who are incredibly fit or, you know, very good looking for one reason or another, and you just think, well, if they got there, I have to be able to get there. Our circumstances don't matter. My body can
1: do what theirs is doing, regardless of our situation. No, and 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 really Colton, you just touched on the on the primary issue it is circumstances i talk to my patients about that a lot weight loss is not a matter of calories in and calories out it's a matter of life circumstances the circumstances under which you're living your life what you're expecting and uh, and how realistic it is how close to being completely depleted as a human being you are in our culture
0: so what is our route moving forward like what does the future look like from here you know into the next decade if we we don't make changes or if we do?
1: You know, I think that um, there are just so many changes that are occurring at this point. The changes in our culture are now starting to accelerate to an even greater extent. Nobody's really sure exactly how artificial intelligence is going to affect us. Um, we have a lot of, of international stresses going on with um, you know, countries that theoretically have access to nuclear devices um, that are angry with each other, it's really scary right now. We have a lot of different things that are going on around our, our, our world and and also within our culture. And so my prediction would be that obesity rates will actually increase both um, overweight rates, which sit at about 70%, and obesity rates, which are just over 40%, likely will be increasing uh, during the next decade. It'll be interesting because if the GLP one agonists become ubiquitous, um, that uh, that most people start using, and most people who would benefit from them are on them. If if that theoretically did occur, I think you might notice obesity rates go down. But um, but I think the insurance companies are already starting to push back vigorously on that. It's very expensive to give somebody a one thousand dollar per month medication when they don't have um, obesity, the primary reason for which the medication is prescribed. And um, so it's just kind of insane. I mean, especially because there are just so many better ways to handle things like this so that we don't have to take medications.
0: And there's a hard balance in there too, as well, when you're talking about you know the mindset, what we're seeing every day is, you know how much is it helping you to see it versus how much do you need to know? And it, it seems like a very fine line to ride because you're like, I want to know what's happening in the world. But when it's being thrown at me 24 hours a day, I feel very stressed. All of a sudden I wasn't thinking about, <laughs> you know, the foreign country or the new software that, you know, is going to take out so many sectors. Like I'm not thinking about that until it's, you know, vigorously addressed repeatedly
1: <laughs> And now I'm like, well, now it's all I'm thinking about. It's true. Although I, what I've done is um, I actually limit my exposure to a lot of stories that probably aren't necessary for me to know. I mean, I could theoretically know uh, a tremendous number of things going on in our world. But um, but my my attention span for news is really targeted more toward major issues the United States is dealing with right now because they can come back to affect all of us. and And those are things that we all need to know about. But as far as, you know, the, um, for lack of better terms, specialty news, um, you know, learning about um, uh, violent crimes that are being done in cities that don't um, involve you, um, things like that are are a little bit, I just, I tend to shy away from that. Uh, It has an effect on us. And I just, I I purposely limit my exposure to it because the, um, the price I pay to know those things is far higher than the benefit that I get for knowing those things.
0: Yeah, it kind of goes back to your your talk about regulations, it's where you're <laughs> like, "Well, I do enjoy this thing I want to do, but the amount of regulations is so high, it's you know, it's prohibitive. Like it would be worse for me to do this than it would for me to not do it." In the same way that like consuming this media is very good for you to know some things, but if you consume all of the things, it's now suddenly
1: very bad. <laughs> it is and and i think that a lot of us make the conscious decision to just say you know i i'm 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 okay i can still be a responsible american without knowing every single solitary thing our country is involved in um i i tend to stay abreast of um of issues in healthcare um and uh, various other things in the in the industries that i'm involved in but I, I just don't pay attention to a lot of other things my knowing those things doesn't help and um, it's outside of my scope of, of practice. And, um, and I find that when I try to pay too much attention to things, it's just it's, it's, it doesn't, doesn't give me a benefit.
0: Do you think we'll see things like that reduce? I mean, right now we have what we always refer to as the 24-hour news cycle, mm-hmm. and we have channels, you know, a multitude of them that are dedicated entirely to news at all hours of the day regardless. As we start to realize how bad that is for us and we start to make these healthier changes, do you think, you know, because those companies are sliding downhill currently, do you think those will reduce and they will just become part of some other network and it'll go back to like, oh, yeah, here's the one hour a
1: day where you hear about news? I don't know. I think that people are really in. in uh involved in the news and and I think it's you know the the fomo fear of missing out um and uh and I think that there are a lot of things in our culture that work that way that we're kind of sucked into certain things that probably don't benefit us very much so I don't know what will happen I think that um in the end I think that there's a, an audience that wants to hear the news um and uh and really enjoys the 24-hour streaming I, I think that um that that likely will will continue I, I don't see any reason why I wouldn't
0: it's certainly it's just one of those interesting things to think about where I'm like, if we all had a realization that, hey, this is bad for you, how much would our society change in one year, in ten years? Like, how quickly would things happen? No,
1: no. I think that um I- my approach, my book is really about, and my approach with patients is really about what each of us can do as individuals. And I think the way that things like this spread through a culture is that our friends start to see, Hey, you're losing weight. This is really cool. What are you doing? And, uh, and, and a, a person will share uh, the way that they're doing it. And it's something they've. That that person's probably never heard of before. It's not something that's intuitive. It's not something that we tend to do, and um, so I, I think that um, that's the way it spreads. And or to to just realize that a person is um, is really content. They they're they're just happy in their own skin, and um, and and people want to know why. You know what uh, you you you're doing well. What's going on with you? And um, I I want to I want to feel more the way that you seem to feel. And uh, it's great. It really is. Absolutely. And on that note, like,
0: please let's make sure that people know where to find your book and more from you if they're looking for more.
1: Well, the book is not out yet. It'll be out here probably in about two and a half months, but my website is super easy to remember. And it's just my first name, Chet, uh, C-H-E-T, and then M-D for medical doctor. So ChetMD.com is my website. And um, the uh, website is largely under construction at this point. And uh, we have a blog that we're putting together and I'm, I'm educating people about exactly how we can do these things. The other really cool part about this Colton is that this is not just an obesity application. This is also kind of a, a way that each of us can make our lives better and, uh, and not be so stressed out, still exist in a, a wonderful culture. Um, but but to not be so influenced by a lot of the craziness that goes on in our culture to limit our exposure to things that we do have the ability to limit those exposures. Certainly. Well,
0: I will put that website in the show notes for anyone that is looking at it, despite the fact it's very easy to remember with only six letters. It's a very <laughs> good <true>. website. <laughs> I hope all the best for the book. I hope people will go to the, the website. They'll kind of follow up to say like, hey, you know, keep an eye on this. When this book comes out, it's something you're going to want to have on your shelf. Otherwise, I have appreciated your time immensely. This has been a great
1: conversation and it's been a lot of fun. You know, I've really enjoyed myself too. I I appreciate your, your, uh, your time and also appreciate the time of your audience. And I hope that we've talked about some things that hopefully will resonate with some people who are having a difficult time dealing with the things that they're dealing with in their own lives. Yeah, I certainly hope so. Well, thank you again.
0: I'm not a doctor, nor do I play one in a radio show, but I would still advise working out and a semi-decent diet alongside the life changes we've discussed today. Both are good for your long-term mental and physical health, aside from just the weight loss. The top country rankings are exactly the same as last week, so no update needed. I'll drop it into the show notes if anyone cares to look. Otherwise, that's it for this month. Have a great week, a great weekend, I will see you all back here next week for another new episode. Until that next episode, you know all the things, please do the things that help the show. Remember you can reach out to dumbenoughpodcast at gmail.com or on any of the social media pages if you want to reach me personally, but most importantly, stay dumb.